Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. It's only one Oklahoma, and it ends with state. And it ends with state. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. Had a nice long weekend, and it is Wednesday as we are recording this, which means a new episode of Slow Horses drops today. So it is always a good day when there's a new episode of a great TV show. What's that about again? It is about uh, a, a group of MI5 misfits who basically um, continually have things happen to them that they I'm trying to explain it without giving spoilers. Um, they end up having to be the saviors despite being the misfits, basically. But the characters in it are phenomenal, specifically the two main characters are great and uh, the casting choice is phenomenal for those characters. So it's on Apple if anybody wants to watch it or if anybody does watch it. Um, I think Apple has some of the best shows going right now. Do you watch much on Apple? Uh, Not much, no. When Ted Lasso's not in season, I don't. Okay, Ted Lasso was great, obviously. Slow Horses. And then the other one I would recommend, um, I think your wife would probably love this one too, my wife did, was Bad Sisters. Bad Sisters hmm. might it, it might even be better than Slow Horses. Um, it was a show that was like a, a cult classic, and then it just exploded. And I think it was originally designed to only be one season, but because of the demand, I think now they're they're trying to come up with storylines for more seasons because it, it became a very big deal. Um, and it's one of the best shows we've watched probably in the last couple of years, Bad Sisters. Well, Slow Horses has a 97% uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating uh, from critics and a 94% audience score, so... That's tough to top. Let me look at Bad Sisters here. Yeah. Um, Tell me what Bad I bet it's going to be... I'd be surprised if it wasn't in the 90s as well. Oh, it's got 100%. Oh, buddy. Oh, well, no? that's that's actually the critics. The audience is only 58%, which is kind of strange. Interesting. I, I would have thought maybe... Um, yeah, okay. Well, that's that's kind of curious. I, I would recommend both if people have some time to watch some TV. I'll have to check those out. Uh, we got a lot of Oklahoma State portal news to get to, but first let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. You still have time to get all your holiday shopping done. I've got all my Christmas presents bought and paid for. Uh, I think my wife bought me a few Oklahoma State-related items, so be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com and get your holiday gifts now. So, um, Colby, again, the portal's been mostly quiet for Oklahoma State, but we did have some big entrance into the portal this week. Uh, Jaden Bray and or uh, uh, wait, <laughs> I just lost my complete train of thought. Bray and Nixon are entering the portal. Uh, J- are they both named Jaden? Is that what threw me off? Yeah, I think that's what scrambled your brain. Is you were like, wait, did I say the wrong guy's name first? No, yeah, like- I I literally my brain literally just froze on. Wait, are they both? They I knew they're both named Jaden, but you're right. I thought I was saying the wrong one. But the two Jadens, Jaden Nixon, Jaden Bray, those are probably the headliners so far for Oklahoma State that have entered the portal. And I, I do want to get your thoughts on both, Colby. Um, for me, uh, not all that surprising. But l- let's just start with Jaden Bray first, and then we'll get to Jaden Nixon since he was the most the most recent. Uh, Jaden Bray, for me, you know, you and I are both really high on him. Uh, have been throughout his career. Just couldn't stay healthy, and I, I kind of thought, Colby, that 
Bray was one of the main culprits uh, on the offense in terms of their struggles early in the season. I know they had quarterback carousel, but man, he had some big drops throughout the year, particularly uh, in some of those losses. So I, I get it. Uh, he's probably just looking to start fresh somewhere else, but never quite fulfilled the potential that I thought he had at Oklahoma State. Yeah, I thought he could be a big time player, and and mostly due to injuries. Um, performance wasn't probably what he wanted it to be coming out. I, I think that he had high expectations for himself, and he realizes that he has not yet met those in Stillwater, and probably just thinks it's time for a fresh start. I uh, don't totally blame him. You know, this year he, he goes down with the injury, not the best performance the first month of the season. Then he goes down with the injury and then he essentially loses his job because Rashad Owens and Leon Johnson come in and those guys were phenomenal. Uh, Rashad Owens is going to be back next year. As far as we know, um, don't know that we've heard yet on Brennan Presley, whether he is going to be back. Hopefully he will be, but uh, then there's young guys coming up the pipeline and I think he just wants a fresh start. And he's a guy that I would have loved to have had back, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was a massive priority keep for Oklahoma State, or this is some massive loss on the offense. I, I definitely do think um, you feel it in terms of receiver depth. But I don't think that this is something that debilitates your offense by any means. Um, this year, I would say start of the season to the end, he was probably Oklahoma State's fifth best receiver. Um, I'd probably go Presley, Owens, Johnson, and Stribling pre-injury before you get to Jaden Bray. Um, so it hurts your receiver depth, but I don't know – with what we'd seen from him in his couple years in Stillwater, um, that this is a loss that's going to seriously hurt your offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Again, he just couldn't couldn't stay on the field, couldn't stay healthy, and um, he will be now leaving. He is from Norman, uh, but we'll have to wait and see where he resurfaces. Um, I didn't mention Blaine Green, also a wide receiver who has entered the portal. You know, the Green Twins really kind of burst onto the scene early in their careers. I believe Blaine Green was the third leading receiver in that 2021 team really kind of blossomed as a as a freshman then but he's kind of bounced around they've moved him to you know cowboy back some uh his brother transferred obviously to wisconsin last year uh so not that big of a surprise he really played sparingly and mostly when a situation like i remember in the byu game brennan presley got a little banged up and then uh blaine green relieved him kind of in the slot position but kind of a for me he's always kind of been a tweener uh, Colby, I think that's why he's kind of bounced around positions. But as we saw with Rashad Owens, he he bounced back to receiver and played remarkably well. And uh, Green, very similar to me, and along like the Jaden Bray lines of kind of sparingly stop start career. And uh, it makes sense for me too that he would want to enter the portal. Yeah, same here. You know, he came, he comes with his brother. Um, brother's no longer around, and like you said, it's it's just been hard to find a position for him and not everyone is Rashad Owens. Um, not everyone has the patience to stick it out for three years and play special teams and get bounced around to cowboy back and fullback and tight end and back out to receiver. And uh, I don't know that with Blaine Green's size that he would have the ceiling of a Rashad Owens to, to be lined up out wide and be an X receiver uh, and, and be a borderline number one is what Rashad Owens was. He and Presley went back and forth for that role throughout the final probably six to eight weeks of the season. I don't know that the ceiling was that for Blaine Green, and I don't think that he really saw himself as a key piece of this offense moving forward. So, again, it's receiver depth that you're losing there. Uh, you're going to have some young guys come up, and if you suffer as much injuries, uh, as many injuries at that position as you did this year, you might end up seeing some young guys on the field. Um, 
but not a massive loss and a guy that you hope can go somewhere with an offense that will be able to utilize him, um, his body, his size, like you said. In Oklahoma State's offense, he was just kind of a tweener. He really feels uh, like a Big Ten tight end to me or maybe a Big Ten fullback. I, I, I don't know exactly where to put him, but I think that he fits better uh, in that conference in one of those style of offenses than he does at Oklahoma State. Well, shoot, he'd look like one of the most impressive dudes to get off the bus in the Big Ten as far as skill players goes. So, yeah, I could I could see that. His brother already playing the Big Ten at Wisconsin. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll transfer to Wisconsin. Um, but Blaine Green is in the portal. And then, um, you know, this was kind of percolating a little bit with Jaden Nixon. You know, Mike Gundy had some very kind of covert comments on he wasn't available for the Big 12 championship due to personal reasons. Mike said he hoped to talk to him when he got back. Uh, and now he's in the portal, Jaden Nixon, and it makes sense with Ollie Gordon seemingly returning. We'll we'll talk more about that in a bit. But to me, Nixon was always kind of a, I think the, I guess kind of the phrase here, other than Bray, they, these are all kind of tweeners for me, the way I view them as football players. I think Nixon is a tweener in that he's not your prototypical bell cow or one that can run between the tackles with much success, decent receiver, but not you know, just a, a Joseph Randall type receiver. Uh, never could quite carve out a, a legitimate role in the offense where he had to be on the field. And I think, case in point, they never really utilized, you know, the two running back sets with him and Ollie in the backfield. I thought that could is something they could have explored uh, in the Big 12 championship game, but he wasn't available. And I, I think that's pretty telling for me, Colby, that they weren't willing to do more of that. I think they just didn't want to – didn't want to uh, muddy it up for for Ollie, uh, which makes sense. But I, I did think he was a little, again, just had a hard time carving out a role in this offense. So for me, it makes sense that he's entering the portal as well. Yeah, I, I want to make sure Oklahoma State fans don't forget that Jaden Nixon had one of the biggest plays of the season when he put his head down on fourth and two against BYU. That play um, might have resulted in you getting to the Big 12 championship game and keeping your rival out. So Jaden Nixon... All love to Jaden Nixon for that play and for what he gave Oklahoma State. I think he just found himself in a situation, Carson, um, where he was the second best player on the team at both things that he was really good at. Um, I think he was a good running back. I think he was a good return man. But he wasn't as good of a running back as Ollie, and he wasn't as good of a return man as Brennan. And sometimes that happens. And if you are the backup at your two best positions, you probably want to go somewhere else and, and touch the ball more. Um, and I don't know if that is at the power five level. I don't know if that um, maybe goes out to the mountain West, like an, an Oregon state, uh, Washington state, one of those schools that has just dipped a level. I, I don't know where he winds up, but I think he just wants to go somewhere where he can get more touches because um, he recognizes how great Ollie is. And assuming Ollie comes back, he knows that that means, you know, aside from an injury, he's not going to touch the ball much coming out of the backfield. Um, he's a decent receiver. He's a good receiver for a running back but he's not a better receiver than your true receivers. He, he's just kind of the next best guy at a few different things. And I think he just wants to go somewhere where he's the best guy at one of those things and can get his hands on the football more. Yeah. So I guess overall, um, not very surprising, I guess, I guess Bray was a bit of a surprise, but to me, this, I think the depth at receiver and you, you got to think they'll add some more depth at the running back position with, with Nixon entering the portal and, um, Collins, I think, is out of eligibility. He did walk on on senior day against BYU. Um, I got to think they'll add some more depth at the running back position. But again, I think a receiver, 
Stribling coming back, Shetron getting more healthy. I, I think they're going to be okay. And we don't know, obviously, about Presley, but I think they're going to be okay at the skill positions with with these entrants. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I don't think that this is disastrous for Oklahoma State. Um, last year, obviously, when you contrast what's happening this year to what happened a year ago, I mean, it was a train wreck, and we were on here, and it's like, oh, my God, they're going to miss this guy. Oh, this guy. Oh, no, this guy went. And this year, it's like, you know, you, you'll notice that Jaden Brace not around for receiver depth. You'll notice that Jaden Nixon isn't the guy coming in to spell Ollie Gordon. Um, and like you said, that, that play against BYU was a two running back set. It was one of the very few times all year that they did that. They used Ollie as a decoy and got the ball out to Nixon and he made a huge play. So um, yeah, these are, these are losses for sure, but I, I don't think it's anything that's going to hurt Oklahoma state offensively. The, the much bigger news to me is the announced returns for Oklahoma State um, because they locked up five pretty key dudes already in terms of locked-in returns. Yeah, this is something that we really haven't seen in a very, very long time, and that's continuity on the offensive line. Uh, Jason Queso-Brooks announced he's coming back on Monday. He joins Joe Mahalski, Cole Birmingham, Dalton Cooper, and Jake Springfield, offensive linemen that, you know, Colby, it's pretty rare that, you know, I think just your average fan can name the starting offensive line. And I think a big reason for that is there hasn't been much continuity on that unit for, for many, many years in Stillwater. And I think they finally have gelled and really have become a unit. And now they're all coming back. And I think that that I'm with you. I think this is a massive, massive deal for not only just Ollie Gordon, but really the program in, in general. And I, I think it's also a sign that this pokes for purpose is, is getting the job done. The, the, these guys you know, put a lot of good film on tape this year and uh, they could, they could certainly test the waters. So I think it's a, it's not only a positive for the offensive line and the offense, it's also a, a testament to pokes, pokes with a purpose and the fact that they're able to retain their guys. Yeah. And I think it's very validating for the fan base who has donated to pokes with a purpose. Whenever you see these announcements one after another on the offensive line, which has been a position group uh, that Oklahoma state has really struggled to get right and have consistency with over the past decade, probably in this program. And when it's like pokes with a purpose locked up another one, and then you see all five, that's so validating to a fan base that is giving to this program to try to just help this become a sustainable uh, elite program in college football uh and to get all five of those guys back it just it does wonders to getting ollie back uh alan bowman who we'll talk about in a few if he comes back the consistency that you're going to be moving from one year to another is something oklahoma state hasn't had it makes charlie dickey's job a ton easier it makes casey dunn's job a ton easier when he knows that there are five guys that he can trust up there and now you just hope that those guys can get into next season healthy that they can stay healthy throughout next season but even if you have an injury there, just the fact that those five guys are coming back, whatever you build behind those five guys increases your depth in case of injuries, which we've seen uh, really hurt Oklahoma State on the offensive line over the years. So seeing these announcements roll in one after another, um, I'll say that I got so much more excited about the announced returns than I got dejected about the announced departures because these guys coming back is just so huge. Um, and I think Ollie will be back too. I think you tailor the offense around him next year. I think he'll have five guys up front that he's familiar with. He knows what he's going to get game in and game out from a game plan standpoint, uh, from an offensive line standpoint. And this is just massive 
for Oklahoma State. And I think that it raises the ceiling next year if you get that position group right um, to where this is a team in the new look Big 12 that could win double-digit games. And depending on the play you get at quarterback and a couple of balls bouncing your way during the season, um, this is a team that I, I'm bullish on going into next season with an expanded college football playoff. No, it's it's really exciting. Again, we all know about the injury issues that Oklahoma State offensive line has dealt with for really a decade. And I think the continuity aspect of that has been as as big of a reason as well, in addition to just the, the health status. So that's that's huge. That's kind of the latest in the uh in the portal. Uh we had we've kind of buried the lead here a little bit, Colby. I, I think I did that, but uh Ollie Gordon wins the Doak Walker Award. Uh the first Doak Walker winner for for Oklahoma State. I mean were you a little like this, this, uh, Schroeder kid from, uh, Missouri, I, I was a little concerned once they, when they were kind of doing the intro videos, uh, I was a little concerned that Ollie was going to get hosed like, like Chuba. I'm sorry. Cody Schrader is his name. I, I misspoke there. The running back from Missouri led the sec in rushing. I thought maybe like Missouri's record and the sec factor was something to worry about, but thankfully the, the voters did the right thing and Ollie Gordon wins the Doak Walker Award, which was just a great advertisement for Oklahoma State. He had Barry Sanders on there talking. He had shots of Mike Gundy in the offices. It was a, a great night for Oklahoma State. Yeah, it was. And I, I'll be honest, I never um, I never even considered that Ollie wasn't going to win the award in the lead-up. I just – I was hearing about him on national shows, you know, national podcasts I listened to throughout the season were showing Ollie love. His name was being talked about all around the country, and he just had – such massive spike performances during the middle of the season. He took a team that was two and two with an embarrassing South Alabama home loss. And he led that team to a big 12 championship game. Like I just, I trusted voters around the country to realize what Ali had done this season. And this was not a Chuba scenario where there was a Jonathan Taylor somewhere else that I'm like, okay, this guy, people nationally like this guy. There, there were just these other names that it's like, yeah, this Johnny come lately here. And um, I was confident that he was going to win the award. And I do think, like you said, great advertisement for Oklahoma State football, having Barry on there. Um, you know, Thurman sent out a tweet. It's just, it, it makes you look at all the great running backs that have come through Oklahoma State. You had the leading nation's leading rusher in 2019 and the Doak Walker Award winner in 2023. So transfer running backs, high school recruit, running backs, guys that are looking for somewhere to go where they can excel. I mean, I, I think these guys have to give Oklahoma State a little bit of a look because Oklahoma State's proven that you can go to Oklahoma State and then you can play in the NFL and you can have a ton of success at this level. We see what Chris Carson did for years, um, what Chuba Hubbard's doing. Chuba had 23 carries on Sunday. He's now the RB1, the clear-cut RB1 for the Panthers. It's the worst team in the NFL, but it is what it is. You're on the team that you're on. Um, yeah, Jalen Warren in Pittsburgh. Like, I, I just think that this is more and more pointing toward a university that turns out great running backs, and that can only be great for Ali, for the program now, but also for the program moving forward as they continue to get more special guys at that position to walk through the door. Yeah, and that's a great point. I think, you know, Mike Gundy, as I've said many, many times, he has this reputation as, you know, spread offense and throwing the ball over the yard, but his bread and butter is running the football. That's what he cares about. That's He's very much a strong branch from the Pat Jones coaching tree, and uh, I think that's great evidence there that, you know, that's that's really their bread and butter. Uh, Ollie will be presented the award February 16th at the SMU campus. 
And the awards really have just uh, racked up. I mean, I, I did want to mention, too, Ollie Gordon led the nation in all-purpose yards, too. That was a factor of him winning the award. He had 326 receiving yards and a touchdown. Cody Schrader only had 191 by comparison. So there really was no no debate, thankfully. And uh, Ollie Gordon, a deserved winner. And uh, he ended up being seventh in the Heisman voting, Colby. Not all that surprising to me. Um but I will say, you know, that he's now a consensus All-American, and that that is a big deal. And when folks, like when we start debating who's, you know, deserves to be in the ring of honor, who uh, who are the best players at each position to have ever played at Oklahoma State, the first thing I would go to look at would be consensus All-American, first team. Like that is... That is cream of the crop, top of the food chain, upper echelon college football honors for me because that's recognized throughout the country, and that means you are one of the best 11 players on your side of the ball in the entire country. That's that's the level of dominance you have to display. And uh, just tremendous honor for, for Ollie, and um, he joins, I think he's the 21st consensus All-American, uh, so really an illustrious list he's now joined. Yeah, was Tuba consensus in 2019? Yes. Tuba was. Okay. I couldn't remember if he was or not. I thought he was. Um, I have the list. Would you like to guess from, um, let's just do the Gundy era from 2008 on. Um, okay. It's from 2005 on. Um, well, their, their only winner was, their first, Gundy's first winner was 2008. Okay. So we're doing consensus first team, all Americans. Uh, Des Bryant? Yes. Correct. That was 08. Uh, Whedon and Blackman. Uh, Blackman doesn't look like Whedon is a consensus. No, Whedon. Okay, was that the RG three year? Maybe it was RG three. Must have been. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm debating whether Joseph Randall would have been on that list. I don't think he would have been. I'm going to pass on Joseph Randall and let's go James Washington. Correct. Okay, James Washington. Um, how about did Tylen ever crack the list? Nope. No Tylen. Okay. Um, anybody on the defensive side? Yes. I stuck up for recently on our, uh, all time lists. Oh, now I'm thinking too much. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba. Um, nope. No Emmanuel Ogba. Um, all right. I don't want to guess forever. Give me, give me the remainder, the remainders. Okay. You're missing, uh, Justin Gilbert in 2013. Okay. Uh, Levy Adcock in 2011. Yep. Kendall Hunter in 2010. How did I not get Kendall Hunter? Shame on me. <laughs> uh, it's it's that's easy to forget for me. Like you know, I I hold him in that esteem, but it's hard to remember that the rest of the country realized that in 2010, that great year they had. Uh, and then Russell Okung is the last one. Uh, Okung, yep, on the O line. Uh, and then uh, joining them is Rashawn Woods in 2002, Alonzo Mays, Barry Sanders, Hartley Dykes, Thurman Thomas, Leslie O'Neill, Rod Brown in 1984, Terry Miller. Darrell Goforth in 1976, John Ward in 1969, and Bob Fenimore in 1945. So just, you know, she's been playing football for a long time, Colby, and a, and a lot of great football players have gone through Stillwater. Uh, to be on that list is, I think, when people ask me who should go in the ring of honor, I think you pick from this list first, in my opinion. And I think Leslie O'Neill, yeah, Leslie O'Neill's on this. I think he would probably be the next one because they need a defensive player up there. But that's the list that Ollie Gordon is now on. Yeah, I think that there's a, a just probably a couple other like contextual factors that come into Ring of Honor type stuff when you think about Brandon Whedon not being, but what he accomplished. Uh, Mike Gundy, obviously. Um, 
But yeah, that's an incredible list. And hearing those names all rattled off consecutively, uh, that gets the nostalgia going big time, big time. Yep. Big time. yep. So, uh, Ollie Gordon, um, you know, and I'm, how you feeling about Ollie coming back? I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on Twitter, a lot of rumors going around that he's pretty much locked in the, the, the pokes with a purpose folks have been kind of hinting at that. I, I think, uh, kind of the consensus and the rumor mill is that, uh, they're, they're going to keep his services for in the high six figures, which, you know, he certainly deserves. And I'm, he may be able to get that more than that on the open market, but I won't say that out loud, but uh, things are looking good on the Ollie front. Yeah, I, I want to be clear before I say what I'm about to say. I have no inside information. None. I haven't talked to anyone. No one has told me that Ollie's for sure coming back. But you look at what happened this year. Um, he was in Oklahoma City at the basketball game on Sunday. Like, he's just, he loves the university. He loves where he's at. I would be shocked i mean laying on the floor head down in my hands shocked if ollie does not come back to oklahoma state um i i might be more surprised if he left than i was when kd left and i was beyond shocked when kd left <laughs> uh that's how confident i am that ollie's coming back and again no inside information that's just me reading the tea leaves i will be stunned if ollie gordon is not wearing number zero uh, and touching it 25 times a game next year for Oklahoma State. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Ollie Gordon was at the Oklahoma State basketball game, and Mike Boynton said, quote, we need to make sure we take care of that guy. So anybody who supports Oklahoma State athletics, he is priority number one, two, and three. Uh, again, Mike Boynton just says all the right things, and I, I think that's what Oklahoma State has done. They've made him a real priority. And, and again, Colby, I, I think with the offensive line coming back, I think that's even more incentive for Ollie to return to a unit that really blocked well for him. I mean, the, you know, you can, you can be a great running back, but without the offensive line, you're, you're going to have a tough time. And, uh, I, I certainly think the quarterback position needs to be worked out, but there's a lot of mo positive momentum right now for Ollie to return. In addition to the money. Can Ollie shoot the three? Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. I'd, I'd be, I'd be, uh, I'd be kind of shocked if he couldn't at this point. He seems like he can do anything. Yeah, it seems like uh, if you ask Ollie Gordon to do it, he can do it. Um, yeah, I mean, he sees all five of his O-linemen coming back. I'm, I'm sure that those guys have all had conversations. Um, the O-line and Ollie, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they've all talked. And I just think that he really felt like he was a part of something special this year. And, and I think that they all feel like it can be more special next year like this year just got off to such a slow start and it was really the middle of the season before this team figured itself out and do, do you really only want to have eight weeks of that magic or do you want to run it back next year and try to put that together for an entire season and do something special win a big 12 championship go to the first 12 team college football playoff um those things are by no means givens and a, a lot of things will have to go right for that to happen but it's in the cards it, it's not something that's an unreasonable ask um this year, I would have thought it was totally unreasonable um, for Oklahoma State to to potentially win the Big 12 championship. And they were there. They laid an egg in the, in the title game, but they were there next year. Um, they will absolutely be one of the favorites to make it back. I think Bowman coming back would only solidify kind of the consistency. I know some people want to see what one of the young guys have. Um, that's unpredictable. It, it, it could be great. It could be terrible. I, I think we kind of know what Alan Bowman is. It's consistent. It's good, not great. Um, he takes care of the ball and with Ollie and, and the defense, 
Um, I think hopefully improving under Brian Nardo. I think the expectations will be sky high next year. And I think Ollie wants to be a part of it. So I think, I don't know when the announcement will be made. Um, could be soon, could be a month, two months from now, but I think Ollie will be back. Could be right after we stop recording. Right. Yeah. As soon as we press stop, it's probably when it'll get announced. <laughs> well, we've kind of touched on it. I think by far the biggest question for Oklahoma State football moving forward is the quarterback position. Gunnar Gundy's in the portal. Uh, no news yet on Garrett Rangel and his future. Um, but, you know, the the big topic now is will Alan Bowman get a waiver for a seventh season? And I was kind of of the opinion that would not happen, but a really good article from the Hutchins twins on uh, sellout crowd. He spoke with a, a compliance officer that associated with Oklahoma State and um, basically comes down, Colby, to the 2019 season where he played three games. He broke his collarbone and uh, – I want to get this guy's name correct here. Let me scroll back up here. Uh, what's his name? This is great radio. Uh, okay, Rick Allen, a former NCAA director of compliance at OSU and the co-founder of Informed Athlete. So, you know, someone who's well-versed on, on these sort of situations. He says, quote, assuming he has documentation that it was serious enough to be a season-ending injury, that combined with either his redshirt year of 21 or his redshirt year of 22, he is a prime candidate to get the waiver approved for a seventh year. As long as there's medical documentation to make it clear and obvious to the NCAA that there's no way he could have returned before the end of the 2019 season, then I think it would be a pretty quick approval. So that that's certainly not what the scuttlebutt had been up until this point. So, um, again, like... I'm kind of torn on this, Colby, because you look at his, you look at Alan Bowman's statistics, and, and they're they're not great. But I do think that, you know, coming into the season as a starter, three games in, we we saw how poor the timing was throughout the years, particularly the first game against Iowa State, and in really in throughout the season. I know he only had 13 touchdown passes to 12 interceptions. That's not great. I think the receiver position was the most beat up on the on the team. You, you factor that in with the lack of game reps uh, throughout the, the non-conference slate of the schedule. I think Alan Bowman may potentially be better than he even showed this year. Um, but I certainly can look at, you know, the high level view here, look at 13 touchdowns to 12 picks, look at the way the offense performed really the last you know month of the season. I don't know, Colby, I, I'm pretty torn on this. I would have to really see what the other options would be. Should he, should they not want to, or should he not return? But, I don't know. I'm I'm torn. Uh yeah, I understand that. And I understand fans who want something different. Um, I fall in the in the Bowman side of this deal. Last year, Alan Bowman comes in as a transfer. Um, no commitment from the coaching staff to make him the guy splitting reps in camp. He gets out there, gets to play a third of the snaps the first three weeks of the season before they decide he's he's the guy. Oklahoma State really was um building the plane in the sky this year. Like they were just trying to figure it out as they went. And Alan Bowman was doing the best that he could on the fly. Uh, the receivers that he thought that he was going to start the season with all got hurt. And it ended up being the Rashad Owens, Leon Johnson show. Brennan Presley was the only kind of consistent there. He developed an amazing chemistry with Owens. He and Brennan Presley were on the same page a lot. I just think you give him an entire off season, a spring camp, summer workouts with his receivers, you get into fall camp and you go into the non-conference and he is your guy 
undisputedly, he is your guy and the consistency up front with the offensive line. Casey Dunn is able to build an offense specifically tailored to all the same personnel that he just had. A little bit of turnover at receiver, but if you have Bowman, Ollie, and your five guys up front, that's enough consistency that going into the season, they will know exactly who they are as an offense, what their identity is, what the strengths and weaknesses in game are for their quarterback, which is something that they won't know about Garrett Rangel or Zane Flores if that ends up being the option. I just think that if you're telling me this one year, you've got all five offensive linemen coming back this one year, you, you've got a Doak Walker award winner coming back. What do I want at quarterback? I want consistent and I want predictable. And that's what Alan Bowman is. Um, of those 12, 12 interceptions, half of them were, were really bad and were probably his fault. And then half of them were a guy ran a wrong route, ball was tipped, something like that. I just, I like the idea of the coaches and the offense knowing exactly what they're getting from that position and being able to plan around it all offseason and him having an entire offseason. I, I just think that is what would bode best for Oklahoma State. Um, if people want to see one of the young guys, I totally get it because the ceiling might be higher there, but I personally would like to see one more year of Bowman with an entire off season, knowing that he's the guy and see what he could do for Oklahoma state. No, I, I think you, you said that really well. And I, I certainly lean that direction more than I would, you know, wanting to start over at the quarterback position with Ollie Gordon coming back with the offensive line coming back with all the experience you're going to have at some of the skill positions. So I certainly agree with that. Um, and I, I think that's something to be said, too, that he's going to be 24 years old. I mean, we all remember the the 2021 year, all those six-year guys on the defensive side and really throughout the roster. I, I think that that matters at this level. I mean, he's in his seventh year if he gets the waiver. I, I think that level of experience, that worked out pretty well with a Brandon Whedon, uh, his age. I mean, obviously, he's a different case altogether, first-round draft pick. But um, but no, I, I think your goal is to win the Big 12, and I think Alan Bowman probably gives you your best shot to do that. So it be interesting to see how they they handle the bowl game, uh, if any of the younger guys get in after, after, after Bowman as well. So we'll have to wait and see, and we'll have to wait and hear about the waiver situation, which probably won't be determined until after, after the bowl game. So uh, how about this, Colby? You know, we all remember Trace Ford switching uh, sides in Bedlam. Well, it appears OU uh, defensive lineman Reggie Grimes announces he has an Oklahoma State offer. Uh, be a little different this year since they will not be playing Bedlam. But um, I don't know, Colby. I, th I think Reggie Grimes, to me, it was a very underutilized player at Oklahoma uh, this, this season. Because if you go back and look at his 2022 season, he had four and a half sacks. He had, I think, seven and a half tackles for loss and a forced fumble. I mean, he was pretty, pretty effective on the defensive line his uh, his twenty twenty two year, and so what? He's not a star by any means, but I think he's an effective player that I think got lost in the shuffle a little bit at Oklahoma. And I don't know, Colby, how would you feel about uh, potentially a sooner coming to Stillwater? Um, yeah, I, I think it would be different, right? We dealt with it last year the other way, and I think both sides were okay with with how it turned out um i would like the idea of bringing reggie grimes in just from a physical talent perspective and to create depth on the defensive line 6'4 278 is what he's listed um at least that's what he was listed as a, as a prospect coming out he was a four-star recruit 92 overall rating from uh from 247 sports I, I think that that's a guy that if you're oklahoma state and you can go get him go get him and and you hope that it works uh it's one of those things man you know, 
Seinfeld did the laundry bit so long ago that we're all just cheering for laundry. And it, I mean, it really is. If, if Reggie Grimes comes over and he puts on the orange, then Oklahoma State fans are going to love him. And they're going to probably love him even more for the fact that he came from Oklahoma. Um, you know, and, and his theme song can be, you know, coming out of coming out of college. Uh, pardon me, coming out of high school, should have been a cowboy. And he finally got it right. Better late than never to make the right decision. So I don't know if he'll end up at Oklahoma State or not, but I would like to see it. And I think the fans would take to him. Well, unless he gets, you know, more offers than he's listed, I, I kind of expect him to end up at Oklahoma State. His other offers are Memphis and Tulsa. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. And OSU has a need there. I mean, Nathan Latou and Anthony Goodlow are, should be out of eligibility. He also really fits size-wise into Brian Nardo's three-three-five. So it... I think it checks a lot of boxes for both sides. So that'll be interesting to to be on the receiving end of the portal in the in Bedlam, but we'll have to keep monitoring the portal situation, but but just to wrap it up Colby, I mean overall I night and day difference this year versus last year, right? With all the entrance into the portal, it, it sure seems like there's going to be way more continuity on the roster uh, going into 24. Yeah, I think that there's a lot more concern. We were just talking about OU. I think there's way more concern uh, in Norman about guys that are going out in the portal than there is in Stillwater. And it's just a situation where, um, and I think that we're going to see this, where it's going to be very much a year-by-year basis. And how much did that team love playing together? What was the on-field success? Uh, What are the vibes around the program? Like, is this a place that guys want to be because they feel like they can be a part of something special? And if that's the case, I think you're going to see a lot of guys come back. I think that's where Oklahoma State's at right now. And if it's kind of the opposite situation, um, you don't have a ton of on-field success. It's a team that doesn't seem super close. You don't finish the season strongly. There aren't great vibes around the program like uh, a year ago. Then I think you're going to see a mass exodus. And I think it's going to be very year by year. And Oklahoma State is on the good side of it this season. And I think that you enjoy it while it's here and you understand that every year won't be like this. But when it is, um, I mean, just – Enjoy it, Oklahoma State fans, because right now uh, your program is living a pretty charmed existence in modern college football when so many other programs are losing so many key contributors because things didn't go exactly right. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a good time to be an Oklahoma State football fan, and um, it, it's still just so hard to put in context where we were at the end of September to where we are now, a program that looked like it was crumbling, and it's now a program that just looks like it's on a rocket ship. So, um all the credit to Mike Gundy, to, to the assistants, to the administration, and to the players for turning it around because these conversations are a lot more fun to have than the ones we were having in September. Yeah, you mentioned OU, Caden Green. They're off. They're a really young, up-and-coming offensive lineman entered the portal. Did you see all five of their linemen are, are set to not return? That is concerning. I think OU fans, at least immediately, will find that being a big fish in a small pond wasn't such a bad thing after all. I, I don't know how great it's going to go when they first get over there. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I look at their schedule. I have those similar thoughts. But, hell, Missouri just won 10 games. I mean, Missouri's not even the same galaxy as Oklahoma. I think the SEC is clearly great at the top. But I – particularly this year, they are pretty down. So, we'll we'll see. But, no, I mean, I think week in, week out, they're going to find – life a lot tougher and I, I think you know all they've really had to trumpet is is the conference titles which they claim they don't care about well those are going away um certainly you could argue that you know that they're going to take three or four teams from the sec and they'll they'll just get in the playoff and take their chances there but i don't know we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that all right you ready for the toast of the week uh absolutely and 
I want you to go first because I want to I want to talk about this guy. He was my initial toast. I have pivoted. Uh, so I want you to go first after you tell us about presumably whatever yingling you were having this weekend. And then I can tell you about mine that I had in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been tugging away at the, uh, the traditional loggers. Uh, but I want to talk about the flight again. It's one of my favorites. It's uh crisp, clean, refreshing, only 95 calories, 2.6 carbs, 4.2% alcohol by volume. Uh, and I, I chose the flight Colby again. Thank you to Yingling America's oldest brewery. We appreciate them sponsoring our toast of the week. Uh, I chose the flight because my man, Tylen Wallace, who's been kind of stuck in a somewhat of a quagmire in the receiver room at Baltimore, had a walk-off punt return touchdown for the Ravens over the weekend. And when he crossed the goal line, he did kind of a butt-first backsplash into the end zone. I don't know how to describe quite what he did there. But, hey, Colby, it was really reminiscent for me of that, that great long touchdown he had against Iowa State where he was just stiff-arming dudes left and right. I thought – Really showed off his athleticism, the way he was able to keep his balance, and really just a long time coming for a great college football player who had really yet to make an impact in the NFL. A butt-first backsplash is the only way I would ever want that tumble into the end zone described. It's now his profile picture on Twitter, too. It's just a shot of his, his butt, pretty much. Butt-first backsplash. Um, I actually read the story on ESPN because I love Tylen, man, and I, I hate the way his NFL career has gone. This is his first touchdown in the NFL. Um, Crazy. Running back, return man, it is his first touchdown. And he was actually only back there because Devin Duvernay was out with injury, and they considered putting Zay Flowers, their rookie receiver, back there. But John Harbaugh said that uh, Tylen had earned it, and he deserved the chance and Harbaugh even said, you know, I definitely didn't think he was going to take it to the house, but I thought he might be able to make a guy miss and get us some field position. But I read the story, Jamison Hensley, uh, staff writer at ESPN wrote it. And here's the lead. And, and this just shows where Tylen's been out with his career. More than three months ago, Tylen Wallace was so unsure whether he was going to make the Baltimore Ravens 53 man roster that he waited outside the team facility in his car until the 4 PM deadline when no team official told him he was cut he drove home. That's where Tylen was at a few months ago. He didn't know if, if he still had a place on the Baltimore Ravens, if, if he still had a job and was still in the NFL and they kept him around and he got a chance. And man, like you said, it, it was the Iowa state game. He was breaking tackles. Guys were bouncing off him. Like he was covered in butter. Um, it was so fun to watch. And, and I watched it several times. Did you see who got the final block to spring him uh, into the open field to get the rest of the way home. Well, considering this is an Oklahoma State podcast, I'm going to guess Justice Hill. It was number 43. It was Justice Hill <laughs> who was stuck to his man like glue, making sure that Tyler Wallace could get around him on the edge and, and get to the house. Um, it almost brought a tear to my eye seeing Tylen Wallace run around a Justice Hill block for what was a massive play in the NFL that vaulted the Baltimore Ravens into the number one seed in the AFC to potentially have home field advantage throughout to try to get to a Super Bowl in a conference that is so wide open this year. Now that the Chiefs are finally down just a little bit, um, a massive play in the NFL season and to see it be Tylen and Justice out there on the edge. My God, was that fun to watch? Yeah, that, that was certainly awesome. Uh, is that your toast too? Uh, that is not my toast. No, I uh, I did enjoy a Yingling flight on the mountain. Uh, oh. on, what was it? Saturday. 
was the first day. I, I was trying to hit a jump, so I was trying to take flight, figure out I should have <laughs> a yingling flight. There's no terrain park at Wolf Creek, which is where we ended up. We were going to go to Red River, but they didn't have enough snow, so we pivoted and went to Wolf Creek. There's no terrain park, but someone had built a ramp at the bottom of, like, a mogul black face. So I came down the mountain, and uh, I hit the ramp. I took flight, and I I did land on my skis, but I, I wiped out, spun out, and then stood back up. So took flight, but was not able to stick the landing. Um, Carson, Thailand was my initial Yingling Toast of the Week. Uh, I saw that you had it on the rundown, so I pivoted, and I am going to toast the great people of Oklahoma City. Um, yes. I, I was nervous at 7 o'clock last night, man. I just – you saw some people talking about their reasons for voting no, um, and I don't I don't just want to totally crap on people who disagreed with me, and and if your logic was, you know, I, I, I think the owner should put up more, and – um, I'm not sure that I see the proof of how good this is for the city and stuff like that. Like people had their reasons and I understand it, but I truly went into yesterday thinking that the vote was very simple. If you want Oklahoma state, to, pardon me, if you want Oklahoma to have a professional sports franchise, you vote yes. If you don't, you vote no. And 71% of people went out and voted yes to keep the thunder around. I would have been heartbroken to see them go, Carson. I don't think it was a bluff from ownership. I think that this was the best offer that you were going to get. Um, would it be great if they put up half the money? Sure, it'd be great if they put up half the money, but they had all the leverage because Oklahoma City, in my opinion, needs the Thunder more than the Thunder need Oklahoma City. There are so many markets in this country that are so much bigger than Oklahoma City that don't have NBA teams. Oklahoma City it's not a right to have an NBA franchise. It's not a right to have a professional sports franchise. We are so fortunate to have this franchise here. And it's a great franchise in that league that is on an upward trajectory, potentially to the moon, to the next 10, for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, I think it's great for the city. And I was, I was so thrilled last night and just overjoyed um, to see that vote be what it was. I, I just, I'm I'm happy the Thunder is sticking around, Carson. It was it was a great night, I think, for Oklahoma City. I totally agree. I was pleasantly surprised that it was essentially a landslide, you know, getting seventy percent of the vote. I I do have to say though, I'm pretty disappointed in in Clay Bennett and the ownership group. I mean, five percent is all they're putting up, and you you juxtapose that with you know similar markets like Milwaukee, who I think their ownership group put up like twenty five, thirty percent, somewhere around there. I think it's a bad deal for the city. I do, but it's one you had to vote yes. I I never wavered in that. I I went and voted yes. Uh, even if you think the ownership group was bluffing about moving the team or selling the team to a bigger market, it's just not a bluff Oklahoma City could afford to call. You know, for someone like myself, uh, who's you know born and raised in Edmond, uh, you know this. I thought this um, quote from from Mayor Holt was was really exactly where I'm at with Oklahoma city and thunder. And just, I mean, all the civic things that have happened since the thunder arrived, all the economy that that's all obvious and and easy to, to understand. But this quote really hit me in the feels quote, for those of us who are a little older, who love sports, it always seemed almost surreal when the team arrived in 2008, that we could experience this because we were so conditioned to playing teams from Amarillo and Wichita. And now we're standing on the court with New York and LA it just changes the way you see yourselves, and it feels it still feels surreal. When I go to games, I still pinch myself 
that this is really happening. I don't ever want to lose that feeling. And again, I, I say this a lot, but, and I don't, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back or trumpet my, my former career in television, but I've been to a lot of NBA arenas. I've been to a lot of big time college football atmospheres and there's nothing that compares to that arena downtown. And it's because of the people, you know, we're a co- we're a college market born and raised and we've translated that to the NBA and the thunder. That's why it was so jarring. Kobe Bryant saying they're the best fans in the NBA. And it's just, I grew up, you know, being wowed by CHL blazers hockey. That's the third level of professional hockey. That, that was our entertainment value back then. And to see where we are now, it's amazing that this team will now be here through 2050, which will be longer than the Sonics had had them in Seattle, which is kind of crazy to think about. So while I am disappointed in the ownership group and, and the amount of money they put up, they also are the ones who stuck their necks out and made this happen in the first place because Oklahoma City was not in a position to really be an NBA city. We did a good job with the Hornets. We supported them, even though we didn't know if they would stay or not. Uh, but I think the ownership groups kind of earned it to kind of, you know, set their terms, uh, whether you agree with them or not. I don't really agree with their amount of money, but it's a no brainer. And I'm certainly relieved that this has passed because again, Colby, I'll never forget walking into that arena for the first ever playoff game with the Lakers. And I swear 30 minutes before, you know, the, the, the first buzzer to start doing the lineups goes off the place. There's not an empty seat in the house. I compared it to like Maximus walking into the Coliseum for the first time and kind of just looking up to the rafters. It was the electricity and and the size of that moment is hard to describe if you weren't there. And so I'm pleased that this will continue through 2050. So good job, Oklahoma City. Yeah, no doubt. It's I, I was fortunate to uh, Kevin Durant's last season here, 16, 17, 15, 16, whatever his last season here was. I uh, hosted. Oklahoma City Thunder pregame shows when I worked for the franchise with Desmond Mason and Andrew Kilman. And so I was a credentialed member of the media that season and went to not every game, but I went to a lot of Thunder games that year and, and got to be a part of some iconic moments in NBA history. Um, I was at Kobe's last road game of his career. I was there when Russell Westbrook set the triple-double record when Oscar Robertson came on the court and did that. Um you know, Clay game six, the regular season game where Steph hit the 38-footer as, as, as Dre was backpedaling, some iconic KD and Russ moments. You know, one, one night pregame, I was able to stand right next to LeBron on the court, on the sideline, um, just feet from LeBron. And it, it just, it's special. that This organization is special to this state and to this city. And, yeah, you'd love the owners to give more, but is it worth losing your team over? No, man, it's not worth losing your team over. And, and it's not um, – the residents of Oklahoma City aren't going to go broke paying for this new arena. It, it's just a part of – a way of life. Billionaire sports owners, yeah, they can hold cities hostage with their sports teams because we love these teams and we love being a part of the NBA. And honestly, I'm okay with it. I, I'm okay with it because I love it so much and I love being a part of it. Um, and this team's on such an upward trajectory and it it just puts Oklahoma city in a different place nationally. And I think it makes us feel differently in Oklahoma city that we have that professional sports franchise. And and I truly think some people were underrating, um, the idea that the team could leave and that we truly, and I say this without hyperbole may never get another one 
if we lose this one. We may never get another professional sports franchise because this market is engulfed by so many other markets in the United States. So uh, I was very happy with the way the vote played out last night, and I am so excited to continue watching the Thunder for the next 30 years. Uh, my daughter will get to grow up. We'll go to Thunder games. Um, and, and that was – I was teetering on whether that was going to be the case yesterday afternoon. So I was very happy last night. Well, yeah, and they, they need a new arena regardless of the Thunder stay or go. I mean, we've, yeah, we've yeah. essentially built a new arena every 30 years. Well, we've hit that 30-year mark. And, you know, Tulsa's been getting all the, the best acts in concerts because their arena is more conducive to concerts. And so this was needing to happen – regardless of how you felt about the thunder staying or going so it's it's much needed it'll bring way bigger concerts way better concerts so it's a it's a no-brainer and I'm, I'm proud that the vote did go through so anything else before we get out of here colby uh i don't believe so i think we pretty much nailed it um christmas coming up you got all your shopping done i'm done uh, i've got it done early this year which is so unlike me it's not even funny but uh Got all the gifts for the, the stepdaughters and the, the wife, so we're we're good to go, man. How about you? I am currently scrolling through old text messages from my wife to find her Amazon link because until this very moment, um, we're done with almost everyone else, but I have not gotten my wife anything. I mean nothing. So I need to get after it because it is December 13th. I've got 12 days. Um, so hopefully everything that she wants is on Prime couple-day delivery because I, I guess I'm playing with fire a little bit now. Yeah, my wife and I, we have like a shared note on the notes app, just gift ideas. And so we put a bunch on there and kind of be surprised by what actually gets bought. So nice. that's kind of nice. how we do it. So do you know exactly what you're getting or not yet? Do I know what I'm getting? Yeah, like do you know exactly what you're getting? As no, you're like I make a list, but she also, like her and I both kind of do a good job of kind of making more mental notes of, Oh, I kind of wish we had one of these, blah, blah, blah. So like, there's always two or three that we have no idea. Um, and I think I've, I think I've pretty much nailed it this year. So she's not going to have to see any of these coming other than, you know, some of her stocking stuffers, she's going to know what it is. Uh, the Amazon guys have been slipping though, Colby. They, they put, it wasn't in an Amazon. Like she's seen like three of her gifts that were actually on her list on the front porch. Cause they weren't in, you know, the plain Amazon boxes. They were just in the, <laughs> the actual box they come in. I was like, what the hell, Amazon? Where's the secrecy here? That is interesting, and that could lead us down an entire rabbit hole as to how Amazon makes all the logistics work around the Christmas season. Oh, that's uh, crazy. And apparently they do some of it by not putting it in uh, in boxes where people can't see their gifts. But, yeah, the logistics behind that, we could probably do an hour um, on how Amazon gets everybody their stuff for Christmas. Yeah, I was like, thanks, Amazon. Uh, Merry Christmas. Do I even need to wrap this? <laughs> Mine came unwrapped too. And I told my wife, I'm like, you don't have to wrap that. Um, it's you heard of the stack, right? Speed training system for golf. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. I got to hit the ball further. So uh, I wanted the stack and that's what, and it came in like a tube and it says the stack all over it and all this stuff. I'm like, you don't have to wrap that. It's going to be so awesome. She said, no, 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 I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to wrap it. So I guess I'll unwrap my gift that I already know I'm getting here in a couple of weeks. Well, don't hurt yourself. You're, you're one injury away from not playing golf for a while. Uh, oh, I know. I'm keeping KT tape in business. I had uh, a few pieces on the knee and a knee brace on. I've got my both my wrists taped up. Every time I play golf, every time I work out, I take both my wrists up. They're both sprained. Um, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, uh, Colby, this was fun. We'll get back with you next week. Yes, sir. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week. As always, go Pokes.